thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Leads Now. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I am excited to bring you another fabulous guest, Kristen Harcourt. Kristen has been a people and culture leader for over 15 years, and she's partnered with hundreds of companies worldwide. Kristen empowers executives and leaders at all levels to build lives and organizations of success, health, and sustainability. She excels at guiding leaders to achieve extraordinary results through increased self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and mindfulness. And with that, welcome to the show, Kristen. So happy to have you here. Hello, Sabine. I'm really excited to have a conversation and we got, we got to love technology. It's all good. <laughs> yes. Kristen, if you will, please share with the audience, your background, your journey to the space and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So I have been on the entrepreneurial journey, starting my own business just about six years now, which feels like I can't believe how fast time has flown. And it's, it's work that I absolutely love. Before I did that, I was working in lots of different corporate, but right before I started my company for nine years, I was doing a lot of consulting, end-to-end talent management with organizations. And I really got an opportunity in that role to be an entrepreneur, which was amazing for setting me up for success when I was going to go out and become an entrepreneur. I don't think I even realized how much that was going to serve me because in my role doing the HR consulting and doing a lot of work around training and speaking and keynoting, all of that kind of stuff. I had that going on in the business, but I also was the one that was doing sales and marketing and bringing in business and doing a lot of account management and growing a business and and working with with marketing and being someone who got to be come up with a lot of visions and then be able to strategize with execution. So I got to see the business from a lot of different perspectives. So I feel like when I went out to become an entrepreneur, I was very clear There's one part, which was all about the work that I do, the craft, the art, what I love doing with clients, which is the coaching and speaking and training and keynoting. But there was this whole other piece, which is about going out there and doing sales and marketing and being visible and building your brand and coming from a place of service. And so I have to say, like back in the day, I remember I've been told forever I should be in sales, like forever, ever, ever. And I remember being... I think just graduating from university and people were saying the sales thing and immediately what came to mind is the used car salesman who doesn't care about people and manipulating and 
But luckily, I'd had enough time working in sales over the years and marketing and being part of that, that I really realized that's not it at all in terms of how I'm going to show up. It's all about service, right? You're just looking for ways to be able to offer something of value and serve the people that you're meant to serve. And some people won't be your people. Okay, that's fine. That's not personal. It's not a rejection. And then some people are your people. And uh, and sometimes you also have to be creative around helping those people who are your people realize that they're your people. And so I think even that stuff, it's like, oh, that's a, that's not personal. Like that's actually an element. There's an element of creativity around that. And what does it look like to have a lot of fun and make this playful? So yeah, at six years in, it's the best decision I ever made. I definitely went from corporate realizing it was time and taking a leap of faith without necessarily knowing what everything was going to look like. So there was a big unknown, but I just, I had very strong trust that this is where I was called to be next. And I, I'm glad I had that trust. If I were to go back again, I would have liked to have a bit of a safety net. So I didn't have so much pressure for the first two years. Having said that, I was surrounded with a a lot of entrepreneurs at this point who were very honest and told me it takes time to build a business and to ramp up. So I think I had more realistic expectations. Mm. Give yourself some grace and patience and take action. Make sure you're out there planting seeds but and do that consistently. But you can't be attached to outcome around when those seeds are going to blossom. Yeah. So powerful. And thank you for sharing your journey. I I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago where they were a year in. And so they're kind of like, they're facing all of their fears. They're trying to figure stuff out. And one of the things that she said has been helpful is to have other people within her community say, Hey, you're, you're right where you're supposed to be. Right. I don't believe that there's enough conversation around that. And I don't believe that there's enough conversation around that among women entrepreneurs, because there is this badge of, I can do all the things. I will do all the things. I got it together. I don't want to ask for help because I may be judged. So how are you able to like navigate that for yourself? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything you just said there there's so many places I could go. So, so first of all, I think there's this whole hustle culture, which feels like you have to do, do, do action, action, action. And I'm like, I'm very clear. I didn't leave my corporate job to do an 80 hour work week. Like that's not what I signed up for. This is by design. It's very intentional. So I don't buy into that. And so I was very conscious around that's not what I'm doing here. I love what you just said around community. So surrounding yourself with community, when you start to have some of that imposter syndrome or in, or have that inner narrative that's really disempowering. That's really not true. Mm -hmm. And they can call you out and be like, that's BS. Like, that's not true. Like, what is that story you're even saying? And so then you start to realize like, that's not true. And, and then I think through either community or perhaps me just being aware of, I'm not going to compare my year one to somebody else's year five or year 10 or year 15. And honestly, Sabine, the number one thing I realized very quickly, like I would say my first six months, all of this is about mindset, like all of it, like it's all about the mindset. And so if it's all about the mindset, then I better be very careful and cognizant of what I'm feeding it, Mm -hmm. who I'm spending time with, what information I'm consuming. And so I really took a step back and I asked myself, like, what, what am I trying to create here? Like, what's my vision? 
And what's going to feed me, what's going to energize me and being conscious of those things and focusing my energy there. And when I started to notice the things that are draining me, that's not where I want to spend my time and energy. And so as soon as I hear things about putting people in funnels and emails, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that for some people that's, that's what they're doing for, for me. That's not where I was originally pulled because that's draining for me. And that's not putting me in my zone of genius and my sweet spot, which is relationship building. And so I thought, Oh, well, great. So like, maybe I should just focus more of my time and energy on relationship building and being of service and coming from a place of curiosity and getting to know people and connecting people and being someone who can introduce other people like that all fires me up and energizes me and gets me excited. And when I'm in that place, I'm inspired energy. And then I take action from a very different place than when I start to be in around the scarcity. And, and so I I had to become very conscious of when my mindset was thoughts that were disempowering, I would get very curious. I would journal around them. And then got to the point where I would start laughing. Like I would hear some of the things I'm saying, like, Kristen, really? And I would start laughing because I, I became the observer. I was watching. Yeah. I was yeah. watching myself. And and let me be clear here. This is a work in progress. I mean, you could have asked me last week and there was something where I'm working on a big proposal. I'm like, I, I don't know what's going to come through. I did all this work. It's not going to happen. And then two days later, they're like, okay, so it's looking good. We should be able to sign off on Friday. Oh, of course. This is how it's this whole roller coaster of emotions that is the entrepreneur journey. It's not meant to be this straight linear line. And I think the more you realize that and embrace it, the more you just get to have more fun with the journey and just realize it's going to ebb and flow and have a whole bunch of emotions that come along with it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So much you said there. I I think I heard at one point and the two statistics have fluctuated that success is like 80 or 85% mindset and then like 15 to 20% actual execution. And so oftentimes, especially for those who step into entrepreneurship or who just make a leap period, right? In any area in our lives, right? We'll, we'll start to make that change or we'll start to head towards that thing. But then our mindset, that 80% or that 80% is still jacked up. And so we find ourselves like teeter tottering back where our mindset will be like, nope, we don't do that. And then you got to push through. So starting from that mindset first, or starting from the awareness of understanding, what are my thoughts? What are my beliefs? What do I believe about me? What do I believe about this situation? What do I believe about the environment around me, and then kind of drawing that in. And what I love that you said, Sabine, is like everything that we're talking about here applies to leaders and organizations, just like it does in entrepreneurs, right? It's the same thing, right? The mindset is like, oh, well, that person did this, and I should be doing this. And but guess what, they also have their style, and they know their way. And it really comes back to the trusting and really recognizing what feels authentic to you. And just because there's even some leaders that I work with while well, everybody else around here is doing 70 hour, 80 hour work weeks. Okay, that's great. That's what everybody else is doing. Do you have to jump on that same bandwagon? Or you can you start to set a different precedence and start to have different conversations and talk about why that's very unhealthy. And systemically, that is going to have a lot of ramifications on the organization. And it takes courage to be able to call out some of this stuff at our core When we show up from our authentic place like that, that's where we truly feel most energized because it's exhausting to be somebody that we're not. 
Right. It absolutely is. I'm glad you brought it back into the organization because I, I have listeners in, in entrepreneurship and in organizations. And so this is this is something that I feel or I believe, especially based on my experiences and some of the clients who are in traditional work environments, is that there is still you still experience that pressure. Right. And I think in organizations, in entrepreneurship, where we can quote unquote, decide how we want to be, decide who we want to work with, decide how we want to show up in organizations. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you have choice. And Mm -hmm. part of that can be because it's being driven down from the leadership and just part of that culture, or you haven't really developed that awareness. And so I know you work with leaders who are at the tippity top and then leaders who are moving into that space. So if you would share with us, how do you help your leadership kind of get to that place where they can define for themselves how they want to show up and how they want to set boundaries around anything that doesn't align mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's such a good question. And I, I think, Sabine, a lot of times when I work with leaders who haven't had coaching before, this is all very new to them, right? And so it's it's them starting to take a step back and ask themselves questions they really haven't asked themselves before, right? Like, who am I? What truly matters? What are my values? Same thing around vision. Like what is my vision for the next two, three, five years? And it doesn't have to be vision in terms of like back in the day, it was like you had your goals. What are my goals for the next five, 10 years? Things you might not even be at that same company for the next five to 10 years. So I don't necessarily mean the goal in terms of I'm going to be at this company, but the goals and vision around how do you want to feel? What do you want to create? I, I, I say life work integration, not work life, because words matter, words have power. And you're saying like, okay, my life needs to be by design. And what does that look like? What do you want to be if you have if you have kids in a family? How much time do you want to make sure you're intentionally committing to that? What are the things that matter to you? exercise, health, time with family and having hobbies and other things that really fulfill you that are separate from work, getting really clear on that and building that foundation and making sure that your work supports that this that is integrated with that. And, and then as you also start to get clear about who you are and what you want and from a career perspective and where you're headed. And, and, and that is beautiful because there's not just one pathway. And I think what's hard for a lot of people is they have been conditioned and been told it's kind of this one pathway, which is you work your way up the corporate ladder. Mm, not necessarily. That isn't the pathway for everyone. Some it could be, I want to be in this area of the business and move over to another area of the business and it's ladder, it's going across laterally or all of a sudden you're in one area and then you go completely. Like I've had clients who were in marketing that all of a sudden went to HR or they were teachers and now all of a sudden they're in the tech space, right? So it's even just recognizing when you make that decision, it's what you're doing now. It's not for the rest of your life. And I think people are recognizing too, like it zigs and it zags and it's not linear. So I think a big part is leaders taking a step back and getting clear on all of those things, having some really powerful conversations around what they want to create, what their vision is of that ideal life, that ideal career, and then taking steps towards that vision. And I think too often the focus can be on the doing and the achievements. And you and I both work with lots of high achievers. I'm in that category. So are you, we're high achievers that serves us really well. Mm -hmm. And a blind spot can be, it's driving us so hard 
that we don't take a step back to ask ourselves, like, what do we truly want? And are we saying yes to things because we should want that and we should be doing that? And are we emulating other people's dreams and visions? Or are we getting clear around like, who do we actually want to be? Like, how do we want to show up in the world? And what are those behaviors, which are also associated with our values, right? Like I have a high value of integrity and authenticity and growth mindset and inclusion. So how am I day in, day out honoring those values? Right. And there's, I can do that. And I do like, I reflect every week, like how, how did I measure up around this and where did I fall short and what was going on there? And to make sure that I'm continuously living towards those values that really matter to me, because that's where I feel most fulfilled and energized. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and so if I could summarize what I'm hearing you say, I mean, there's a lot of things boiled into it, but really self-leadership, right? Like when we think about leadership, having a vision and being able to drive towards that, that vision, I, I love that you've shifted it around with its life work integration versus even when, like in the last year, they've been saying, oh, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration, but you've shifted the game. And so I know as women, all right, because we, we wear so many hats, we play so many different roles, it's often harder for us to step outside of the roles that we play or the titles that we, we hold, right, in other people's minds and eyes to be able to create that vision for self. So what are your thoughts on like first couple of steps for people to just really work through if they're at a place where they are in transition or at that fork in the road, right? And it's just like something has to change. What's happening is not working, but I don't know how to create that vision so that I can start moving towards it. Mm -hmm. So that's such a good question. So the first thing I would recommend is getting quiet. (laughs) There is so much noise out there. And so anything you can do to unplug, like if you could give yourself, it's going to sound a little crazy, but like two days where you're away from everything, away from technology, away from the day-to-day grind, all that kind of stuff. And whatever lights you up for me, it's being out in nature or somewhere where you kind of get to be away from everything. And I'm a big fan of journaling. And so just taking a journal and starting to ask yourself some of these questions we're saying today, like, like what, what is my vision? And and I, I know for some people, vision and purpose can feel so lofty, right? Like when I say why it's to every day to help people step more fully in the fullest expression of their leadership, right? Like that's part of my why it doesn't necessarily have to be complicated, right? And I think some of the things you can do to get clear on that, if you is just to even ask yourself, like, what are some of your values? And so for some people, if you're hearing the first time core values, taking a step back and thinking about who are the people that you really admire. So this is an activity do I do a lot when I'm doing values mining for people. And so a couple of different things that you can do when you're doing values mining is who have been your role models. So think a couple think about a couple of your role models and then write down all of the things like what did you admire so much about them? Another question I like to ask are who are some of your role models and influencers in the world, right? It's like, so for me, it'd be the Oprah's and the Beyonce's and like these people inspire me. Well, why did, or Michelle Obama, right? They, why do they inspire me? Right. And writing out things about them. Think about those times where you had your peak experiences, those times where you just felt so alive. You felt so connected to yourself. 
and these don't have to be, sometimes people, again, hear peak experience and they're thinking, oh my gosh, it has to be running a marathon, climbing a mountain. It could be a school play. It could be when you were on this vacation and you traveled through Europe. And so thinking about some of those things can help get at what matters most. And then I would just say, personally and professionally, write down, what's your perfect day? If you were having your perfect day on the personal side, what are you doing in your perfect day? And now on the professional side, right? So you're at work and you're having your perfect day. What are all the things that you're doing? All of that kind of stuff as you start to do, and you can take out your highlighter and start to highlight the different themes that you start seeing there. And you'll see some patterns, right? You'll start to get clear around like, well, what what do I notice? What are those things that really matter to me? Because those are people who you admire and look up to in your role models. They tend to be reflecting back to you the things that matter most to you, right? And that starts to get some more clarity. And then I would say from there, please do not, hesitate, like, please go get help. The help could be just talking to a friend. The help could be somebody else who's on this journey and they're your accountability partner, or the help could be go, go work with a coach, work with a therapist, be part of a mastermind, like be part of a community. Don't try to go at it alone because even this exercise is going to help you to get clarity. And I'm sure you connect with this hundred percent. Like, yeah, you could be taking action on those things, but like who's reflecting things back to you? Who's championing you? Who's like, when you say this is like, no, no, that dream's too small. Like that dream could be much bigger and is encouraging you to play bigger. Sometimes we can hold ourselves back. So even as you start to do this exercise, think about who are those people that you want to be surrounding yourself, those people who lift you higher Mm -hmm. and see your potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've done value mining and mapping in in different ways, but now I'm I'm inspired to go back through and, and kind of do it from that perspective. I'll probably still be the same responses, but I think sometimes we also need to reconnect, even if we feel like, oh, I know what my values are, to kind of reconnect with those values because they are meant to be the the driving force behind our decisions, how we run our business, how we live our lives. As you were talking, something that came to me was a lot of leaders are now in this space where if they haven't done it for themselves, they are now being, I guess I won't say challenged, but invited to support their teams in doing that, right? Because a lot of the upheaval that we've seen in the workplace, it's now it's created this space for leaders, people who are in management position to just say, okay, how do I, how do I demonstrate to this person that I value them, right? And the only way that you can do that is to really truly understand what is it that they bring to the table, right? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their values? What is their zone of genius? And so it's it's this transformation I feel that we're all going through as a society where individually, right, we have to figure out or map those things out for ourselves. And then leaders in organizations or leaders in society, the responsibility now is to help support your team as they do that for themselves. Well, I think, thank you for bringing that up because I know you and I both talk about how transformation starts from the inside out, right? And this is the work. And so those leaders need to be going on their own transformational journey in order to be able to better support the people around them. And this is why I'm so passionate about the emotional intelligence piece, because we've got a lot of leaders who are leading from the neck up. Okay. And so 
the mind is wonderful. We don't want it going anywhere. It helps us do lots of great things, but we need to also drop into our body and we need to drop into our heart and we need to be able to connect with people on a human level and to connect with people on a human level requires us to be resourcing, not just our head, right? That's where empathy comes in. That's where compassion comes in. And those things that you were talking about, Sabine, when it comes to coaching, developing and mentoring, we can't just do that from the head up because now it starts to just be like, okay, here's the metrics, here's the numbers. No, no, no. Like we're connecting human to human here. And I'm all about humanizing the workplace. And I think a big part of humanizing the workplace is helping so many of these leaders to develop their emotional intelligence because it's not their fault. Nobody taught them. Nobody taught them how to do this, right? Like they are, they were subject matter experts. They had strong technical skills. They went to a variety of different things, MBAs, engineering degrees, doesn't matter what it is. No one's pulling them aside and being like, oh, this is what it looks like to like be with your emotions. And this is how your body's getting your attention. And this is what it looks like to tune in. This is what it looks like to release emotions and be with emotions. And we were talking about the last time when we were on the podcast too, around like people don't even think about problem solving being related to emotions. Oh, yes. Like, because what happens is if we're not like being aware of our emotions and how they're showing up, then we start to have impulse control and reality testing where we're not seeing things accurately as they are. Like, I, I love the people who are like, I'm not, I'm just not an emotional person. Like I don't have emotions really, really, unless you're a robot, you have the emotions. You just aren't realizing the way they're actually impacting your decision. And I think that's actually more dangerous. If you're thinking, Oh, I don't bring emotions into my decisions. They're not even aware of how much they're actually bringing them into the, and it's not a bad thing. We just want to be aware and we want to be leveraging them. And, and so I think a huge part of this work is to be helping all of the leaders and individuals, all humans to get back in touch and to be able to have this emotional agility and to be able to have emotional well-being, which means feeling all feelings and learning how to do that in a healthy way and use it as data, like become emotion scientists and like to start to actually build that muscle has a huge impact for personal healing and in turn being better leaders. Hey there. If you have been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know that I am extremely passionate about helping leaders, professionals, entrepreneurs grow, advance, and make an even bigger impact in the world. And with this passion as my driving force, I have created the Strategic Growth Accelerator. This accelerator is something that I've been using with clients one-on-one, and I've seen clients make amazing progress towards their goals and even crushed their goals and gone beyond what they believe that they were capable of when we first started working together. The Strategic Growth Accelerator is a 90-day program where you and I work together one-on-one to identify and to create a roadmap for you to achieve or exceed one specific goal. The Strategic Growth Accelerator is not just for anybody. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It is for individuals who know exactly what they want to achieve, but are stuck, aren't clear on the first step to take, or maybe they just want the support and the accountability of an experienced coach to come alongside them, to challenge them, and to push them beyond the limits they've created in their own mind. If that is you, I would love to work with you. 
I only have a limited amount of spots simply because I want to make sure that I am available and have the capacity to support you in any way that you need during the 90 days of us working together. Learn more about the accelerator and about the process at sabinegideon.com slash accelerator. Again, that's sabinegideon.com slash accelerator. I am so excited to really help you make 2022 your best year yet. If you have goals that have been sitting on the shelf or sitting in your mind or sitting on your whiteboard that you know you want to complete and or want to achieve this year, this is the program for you. Head over to sabinegideon.com slash accelerator and sign up for a consultation for me to learn more about your goal and for us to decide if it makes sense for us to work together. So again, sabinegideon.com slash accelerator. I cannot wait to work with you this year. See you inside the accelerator. Yeah. And I know emotional intelligence is your zone of genius. And we, we've talked about this before that that term, to your point, not only is it not taught, but it's thrown around so much. And especially over the last decade, I would say like, it's just, you always hear about emotional intelligence, but I feel like very rarely does, does it get broken down to the place of practicality where people can say, okay, this is what it looks like. And this is how, you know, I, I incorporate it in my behavior. So if you would just talk to us a little bit more of like, what is emotional intelligence? How does it show up? And how can people leverage the, that ability to be more effective, be it in their leadership, their home life, work life, whatever? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So when you start to think about emotional intelligence and what it is, it's understanding what's going on within. So your own internal landscape, then it's about understanding the emotions of the people around you. And then it's about using that in a meaningful way in order to be able to, to connect and create more meaningful relationships. And so some of the areas of emotional intelligence that I think people sometimes don't realize is when you think about even self-regard and how you're speaking to yourself and what's going on on a daily basis, because we all have those voices in our head and how we're connecting and noticing what's happening in our body when those voices are happening and just even being aware what, what is happening for us and being able to label our emotions and build our emotional vocabulary and allow all emotions in, in a non-judgmental way. Um, there's whole much around good emotions and bad emotions. And we only want to be the good, have the good emotions and not the bad emotions. Well, you're a human. And so the human experience involves all emotions and it's inviting them in sadness and anger and fear. And all of those are normal human emotions. But it's also about when you're noticing they're there, how are you supporting yourself with those emotions? So getting clear around what's happening internally. And then it's around noticing the people around you and what they're experiencing. And also recognizing that we can make a lot of assumptions. So actually, I remember a client telling me that someone who they thought was like scowling all the time when they were having their one-on-ones and looking like that, it turns out that he needed to be wearing his glasses and he wasn't wearing his glasses. So he was scowling because he couldn't see properly. Right. So it's also, we sometimes interpret body language inaccurately. So it's asking questions. Hey, is everything okay? I noticed you, you seem a little bit upset in this meeting. And then they would have said, Oh, it's just my glasses. I don't have glasses. Right. So asking questions and you were talking earlier about with women and, and kind of, we have lots of different roles, lots of different hats that we have to wear. And so uh, assertiveness 
is a big part of emotional intelligence. So being assertive and independent. And then if you think about building those relationships, tapping into things like empathy and social responsibility, and then there's the problem solving when emotions are heightened. How do you deal with what's happening around you and the problems? Do you have good impulse control? Because there's a lot of reacting that happens in workplaces, right? There are a lot of emails that get sent every day that should not have gotten sent. And people start to learn that about themselves and they realize, okay, like my thing is if I'm noticing it's a heated email, I'm not allowed to send it until the next day. Or maybe I have to go back two or three hours later and then I read it. And anyone I've ever talked to with that say they go back and reword things later on, right? Mm -hmm. And reality testing, we, we start to think about even some of the aspects of imposter syndrome, right? Our reality is not necessarily accurate. We're creating this whole story and it's not true. And then the last element of emotional intelligence is how do you deal with stress when emotions are heightened, right? What do you have in your toolkit to be able to work through when emotions are heightened? When you're having a bad day and we're all going to have bad days and the emotions are all over the place. Are you able at the end of the day to just say, you know what? I'm having a bad day. It's a bad moment, but tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow is filled with new possibilities. All of that is all emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Much, much broader and also much more practical than most of the the stuff out there. I I can just think of like times, I I mean, even as, as a business owner, but certainly times in corporate America where like something someone said or something someone did triggered me. Right. And we all, we all have our own like internal sensors. Right. So like for me, I'd get like really, really hot and like, just like fidgety and whatnot. And for years, I never even correlated that I was triggered with what it was that I was feeling. And so maybe within the last three years or so that I found myself like, okay, I'm going to pay attention. And this bodily reaction right now means that I'm triggered, right? In some capacity. And then start to ask the questions like, what is it that I'm actually feeling? And giving it a name, all right? Or naming it some type of definition so that I understand what it is. And then sitting with it. I've frustrated many in the last few years where like, if I were triggered, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now that I am triggered and I am upset. I don't know what it is. I need to sit with it. And then I'm going to come back with you. And of course, most people are so reactive, right? They want to know like, well, what did I say? What did I do? What was it? What are you feeling? Just put it out. And I've learned and it it doesn't always happen because there are those moments. (laughs) where I'm not so conscious, but in those moments of just being able to just own the fact that, Hey, I'm feeling some type of way. I don't know what it is. I'm going to sit with it define what it is and then come back to you and share with you when I am in a place after I've processed it. I just think about how much workplace conflict would be avoided if people just sat with their emotions. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about around the conscious leadership, right? Are you above the line or below the line? And so often people like it comes up and they're feeling all the emotions and they immediately start reacting and and doing things that they regret later on. So they start to go below the line when it's happening, which is it's happening to me, right? Oh, I have no control. It's just happening to me. They get defensive, reactive, go into survival mode. It's about them and point fingers and all of that kind of stuff, which doesn't get us anywhere. Whereas if you're above the line, and this is what conscious leadership is, you're working towards this to be conscious of, okay, I notice I'm triggered. All right. 
going to happen over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's not happening to me. It's happening by me and that I'm having this experience. And then what do I need to do to support myself with this? And so now you get to come from a place where you're resourceful, you're curious, you're asking yourself, like, what's this here to teach me, right? This is Mm -hmm. some growth and development. But as you mentioned, like in that moment, the best thing to say is, right now, I'm actually not in a good place. So I'm just going to talk about this a little bit later. Like there's no, I think sometimes people feel like there's this pressure that somehow they need to do something in that moment. And and that's not the case that the healthiest thing to do quite often is it's it's almost like saying I need a timeout. Like I, I need a timeout. There's a lot going on here right now. And what ends up happening is we have so much reactionary stuff happening in corporate and this point person is pointing this finger and this is that. And when you're doing that, neither of you are can, can communicate very well. Yeah. Neither of you are coming from your most resourceful self. So you're not going to come to creative solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've seen it in organizations where the culture, it's a culture of urgency, right? And so naturally, whatever gets put in front of you, you got to do in those types of cultures, I've seen that I've supported, it makes it so much harder for people to even give themselves the space to say, hey, let me deal with an emotion because everything around you is urgent. Everything is urgent. And so this goes back to leadership at the top being very aware of how you are processing because essentially you're building that culture and being aware of, am I, have I created this atmosphere, this environment where people feel like they can't stop and think they, they just got to have the answer. They just got to do, do I create a space where I tell people, Hey, here's the strategy. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to sit on it. I want you to sleep on it for a couple of days and then come back to me. And so it's really about shifting again, regardless of whether you're in a leadership role or if you're in an organization or business, but shifting the way that we are operating our own operating systems to allow the space for us to heal when needed, and then actually make decisions from a place that, that is objective and a place that is is supportive of what we're trying to get to versus the opposite, basically. Yeah, I could keep talking to you on this for forever. I've learned so much about emotional intelligence around what it is and to actually put it into action in the day to day. For those of you who are listening, hopefully you've taken the nuggets of wisdom that, that Kristen has shared here in these experiences to know that despite what's happening in the environment now, especially with market conditions and all that other stuff you are empowered, like you have control. You don't have control over the external factors, but you certainly have control over yourself, how you show up, how you carry yourself and the impact that you're able to make just being you. With that, I'm not going to let you leave without putting you through the blitz section here, the leadership lessons piece here. So are you ready for the- I'm ready. All right, cool. (laughs) So we're going to start with leadership, right? So with everything that you've done, everything that you know, those whom you've supported and where you are today, if you had to define your leadership style or your leadership philosophy, what might that look like? Mm. Yeah, I think my, I would really say it's a, a head and heart and a combination of compassion integrity and courage and showing up from all of those. It's like integrating both the compassion and empathy, but also the disruptor challenging the status quo. That's my sweet spot to have both of those together. I love that. 
And as you think about networking or building relationships, is there a strategy in particular that you've been able to apply throughout your career to help you succeed? Yeah, I think is I think even just the word networking sometimes for people even shifting it to relationship building because I think people hear the word networking and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, I have to go somewhere and talk all about myself and do sales pitches and that's not what networking is, but like let's not even call it that because maybe if you hear relationship building, you'll start to shift your mindset around it. And I think it really is about mindset. Networking is about getting to know someone, just being super curious, letting them talk about themselves and through learning about that person. Is there something you can do to serve them in some way? Maybe there's a resource, a connection, you can make an intro. And that might also lead to them being interested in you. And then you deepen that relationship. The first time you meet someone, it's like, that's the first interaction. It's going from there and deepening and deepening the relationship. So I think there's an opportunity to have a mindset shift around it being this like thing you have to do and being on. That's not what networking is. So if you're feeling like that, great. Cause I I would feel that way as well. You don't have to be on and you don't have to be pitching people. You're just, you're really genuinely wanting to get to know the human in front of you. Yeah. If you could go back to a younger version of yourself, What have you learned today that you would want to share with her? Mm. I would tell her to, to trust, to listen, to pay attention to your internal navigation system, not be so worried about what other people are saying, and to make sure that you stay surrounded by people who have the same kind of mindset and values and things like that. Because there's going to be other people that aren't your people and they're they, they can sometimes tear down instead of rise up and surround yourself with people who just want to see your potential and they have that confidence and security. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ha- having a strong support system or community is so key at every area of development in our lives. So books, right? I am team yeah. books. And I know that you are a big reader as well. So as you think yeah. about a book or a couple of books that have been very impactful for you in your career journey and just your overall growth, which books come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. So the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, and that surrounds what I was talking about today too, about above and below the line for all women. I think all women should read untamed by Glennon Doyle. I think a lot of us, we have that inner cheetah that needs to be let out. And if you read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. In terms of both personal and professional, I really love the books. His first book was called Essentialism. And then his next book, Effortless by Greg McEwen. And I love his podcast as well. So I highly recommend his books and podcasts, anything by Brene Brown. And specifically around emotional intelligence, Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett and Emotional Agility by Susan David. I, I find those are great books that I recommend to, to leaders too. But the 15 Commands of Conscious Leadership too, I think every single leader needs to read that book. Yeah, I, I have to add that one. Thank you for these additions. So we'll include those that were mentioned in the show notes. Be sure to check them out. And so, of course, Kristen, as we think about all the amazing work that you've done, all the amazing work that you will continue to do in this world and in in organizations and, and certainly as part of your business. Ideally, as you're building your legacy, what is the biggest impact that you would have wanted to make? Honestly, it's leading with love, 
right? If I can, and every interaction, if I can be fully present with that human in front of me and make sure they feel seen, heard, and cared for, that means I'm showing up and I'm being the person who I want to be in the world. We, we need that so desperately in our society, for sure. So for the audience who has been listening and they're like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's a wealth of knowledge. How can they get into touch with you? What's, what's the best avenue for that? Thank you. The best avenue would be kristenharcourt.com. And all of my social media handles is the same thing, Kristen Harcourt. I hang out most often on Instagram or LinkedIn. Yeah. And Kristen has an amazing podcast around leadership as well. So tell the audience about your podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I have a podcast called Inspirational Leadership and I'm three years in and talk to people globally, HR leaders, CEOs, and leadership experts who are really about humanizing work and transforming leaders. We will include all of those links in the show notes. With that, Kristen, thank you so much for your time, for your knowledge, your wisdom, and and, and certainly encouragement, right? So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for such a meaningful conversation, Sabine. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And with that, I will be back next week with another episode. Please feel free to connect, reach out to me, let me know any ahas that you have. And certainly when you reach out to Kristen, let her know that you heard her on the She Leads Now podcast. Have a wonderful rest of the week and I will talk with you next week. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. If you found today's episode helpful or got a piece of insight that you plan to implement in your business or organization, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sabine Gideon, that's my handle, and send me a private message or feel free to go ahead and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify. I also invite you to share this episode with anyone in your network who you think might benefit from this content. Lastly, be sure to check the show notes and the description below for links to resources, including relevant downloads, articles, and any upcoming training. Until we chat again, have a blessed and powerful week.